I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2021. Award season is upon us. Once again, it's time for the Oscars, the Globes, Cindy Spirits, Critics' Choice, Sundance Cannes, Writers Guild of America, Grammys, Almost Baptist, and yes, the Razzies. The time of year when the world's, but mostly America's, brightest starlets congregate in spaces full of enough material wealth to feed the entire population of a moderately sized developing nation. It's also when Hollywood reboots its rallying call for diversity and inclusion, even though the Oscars So White hashtag, first tweeted by activist April Rain, is already five years old and far from fading into obscurity. With the Oscars just a few weeks away, the buzz isn't about who's nominated, but rather who isn't. There isn't a single actor of color up for a lead or supporting role, prompting the viral hashtag Oscars So White for the second year in a row. Sunday is the Golden Globes. And this year, while the Hollywood Foreign Press Association completely ignored what was arguably the most powerful television series of 2020, it notably nominated three actual human women in its Best Director category. The HFPA has a really mixed bag when it comes to diversity this year. When it comes to female directors, they did a great job. When it comes to films led by a black cast, they didn't do a good job. None of the best film nominees are led by black cast. What is that about? But then you have someone like Regina King or Chloe Zhao getting nominated, which is a great thing. Previously, it had only ever nominated five women in the Globe's 77-year history. That's an average of 0.064 female director nominees per year, which is still a better track record than the White House. First man is also how studios look for directors. First man! If no man available, then pair of man, then team of man, then eventually, maybe woman. Beyond this surprising exception, the list of nominees is once again seriously lacking in representation for black and indigenous people of color and blah, blah, blah. Hollywood's racist history is no secret. Many talented people of color were snubbed in major categories. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. So we were going to do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just, no. It was mostly white people. And I thought, nah, not on my watch. So. Nor is its lifelong love affair with dudes who look like this. Point is, Hollywood's diversity issue and lack of recognition for underrepresented storytelling is obvious to anyone with a pulse. So when we think about some of the most iconic depictions of Latinx people in the film, there's no question Scarface makes the list. But who was he? A cocaine-crazed drug kingpin in Miami. And this kind of stereotyping of Latinx people has pretty much been the standard in Hollywood. It's not only how we are represented, it's also who's chosen to represent us. In Argo, Ben Affleck stars as the Mexican-American CIA operative and mastermind behind the escape of six U.S. Embassy employees during the 1979 hostage crisis. Many were outraged that a non-stereotypical Latino role was given to a non-Latino actor. But even when Latinx actors play Latinx characters, cultural stereotypes still prevail. You all have made in Manhattan, but why did J.Lo have to be a cleaning lady? Why couldn't she have been Latina and a high-powered executive that won the heart of the politician. This goes way back. Puerto Rican actress Rita Moreno famously recalls how she was forced to wear brown face and the classic West Side Story, which she won an Oscar for. 
It's safe to say that none of us are happy with the current state of representation. So, who's changing the narrative? Latinas like Diana Peralta are adding more colors to Latinx representation with films like De Lo Mio, which follows two Dominican-American sisters who go back home to sell their abuela's land when she dies. Additionally, actors like Eugenio Derbez and America Ferreira are going behind the scenes to direct and produce Latino stories that are more aligned with how we see ourselves. In essence, there just needs to be more representation as a whole, more comedies, dramas, dramedies, even horror films made by the vast diversity of the Latinx community. With Latin America being home to more than 33 countries and 560 languages, there's a dearth of stories just waiting to be told. You can call it whitewashing or sometimes just cultural erasure, but oftentimes it's both. John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons on Netflix hilariously, poignantly, and somewhat depressingly highlights the otherness that Latinx people are often relegated to when it comes to recognizing our accomplishments in history. How did we become so non-existent? Because if you don't see yourself represented outside of yourself, you just feel invisible. I feel like Latinx representation in mainstream media can be a lot more diversified. It's just the same tropes over and over again. I mean, it's always like we're like gangsters or like drug traffickers and stuff like that. I would definitely like to see an increase of the narrative of the fact that Latinos come in all colors. I want to see Asian Latinos. Also, the portrayal of Latino people not necessarily done by such strongly Eurocentric actors. I don't like how we're all represented by the same stereotypes of, you know, straight masculinity, you know, super aggressive all the time with everything. Queer narratives do exist in Latino culture and it's seldom spoken about. Essentially, we've hit a ceiling and we, I, I strongly feel like um, those ceilings can be burst a lot more and, and there are a lot more narratives than what has been presented. For someone growing up, you have to be able to see someone that looks like you to want to strive for that. Lack of representation not only has an impact on the self-esteem of those made to feel invisible, but on society as a whole. Implicit biases are largely related to how our stories are told in the media and by whom. And there is no shortage of Latinx people to tell those stories. Estamos aquí echándole ganas, güey. So tell me a little bit about your experience in Hollywood, um, especially prior to Orange is the New Black, how often were you considered for, say, non-Latinx roles, for example? Very rarely before Orange is the New Black, to be honest. Almost every breakdown that I got before an audition would say, spicy Latina. I wanted to take it as like a term of endearment or a character trait, but after a while, it just starts seeming like these people just believe that spicy Latina is a thing that every Latina is going to throw her chancla at you and, you know, go off into some romantic, passionate argument and smack you in the face. It's like that telenovela thing. That was one thing that I encountered that I, that I, that I never got to be an American. Also, I always had to put on an accent for some reason, even though I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. But at this point, there's so many, there are so many stereotypes that we had to, we have to fight against. The characters were never educated. They never had professions. They were always just cleaning ladies and hookers or, you know, living in poverty, trying to get ahead. So when the role of Maria came up, it was like the hugest eye roll for me. <laughs> um, because it was, Mar this is a prison, women's prison. 
Latina, pregnant. And I'm like, well, is her, is her boyfriend a drug dealer? They're like, well, we don't know that yet. And I was like, wow, I can't like right back to the same thing again and again. But after finding out a little bit more about the project, I knew that it was something that I would want to be a part of because the stories that would be being told through, through that show. And I also think it's up to us actors to really examine with a, with a pure heart and, and a lot of concentration. What is the difference between exploring our culture and exploiting our culture? Some Latinos, Latinx people have had very boring middle class lives in America, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, not everything is a whole big I escaped from my country to get here. You know, there, there is an also Latin American story that needs to be told and shown more often. We let people label us. And until you, you do not accept those labels anymore, they will continue to be put on you. But a new generation of Latinx creatives are seizing the moment by creating opportunities that go beyond placing Latinx actors in lead roles. They're staffing their crews with diverse creators and producing narratives that tell our stories from a place of authenticity. Like Tanya Siracho's Vida on Stars, that focuses on the lives of two Mexican-American sisters returning to their childhood home in Boyle Heights, showcasing the diversity of the LGBTQ plus community through a Latinx lens in ways rarely seen on screen. There's a lot of bit of a, of a boys club mentality in Hollywood because people want to mentor people that remind them of themselves, which perpetuates this white males mentoring white males. So I think it's really important for Latinas to mentor other, other women of color, other Latinas, so that we share our secrets <laughs> um, to how we sort of made it. We really need nurturing and mentoring in the early stages of our development as as artists. There was nobody in my life to sort of look to for um, you know what what my career could be. I really think that the more um, studios and networks and individuals mobilize to to mentor and get to know and um, nurture uh, young rising talent the more opportunities those those people are going to, to get. Productions are really making an effort to hire people of color. My last feature, The Feels, we had 80% um, female crew and 70% of the cast were, were people of color and there was only one man in the movie. <laughs> it was, so it was like we made a sincere effort to hire as many women as we could and we had, and it was an LGBTQ plus film. So like we had a, a very large uh, percentage of the crew was also um, identified as, as queer. And I will continue that sort of ethos in, in my hiring practices when I'm in the position to do that. And when I make my next feature, which I'm casting right now. There's also Hentified, a heartfelt Netflix comedy by Linda Yvette Chavez and Marvin Lemus highlighting the generational differences among Latinxes and the gentrification of our neighborhoods. And Comedy Central's Alternatino, a sketch comedy series created by Arturo Castro that frequently showcases our awareness of Latinx stereotypes in television. I, I never saw myself represented on TV, so I, I like, I grew to really like the name and what it sort of stands for. And of course, there's quadruple threat Lin-Manuel Miranda. With his contribution of In the Heights and Hamilton, both highly successful Broadway musicals, 
the latter making its way onto Disney Plus just last year, and the former making its way onto movie screens in a film adaptation. And although streaming service and cable network budgets are always welcome, many independent creatives aren't relying on them to increase Latinx representation. We're a growing population, growing to be the majority in this country. We don't see Latinx um, people on TV as much, or even the diversity. Negrita documentary is about Afro-Latinas in the United States and their skin color and how it affects them in the Latino and American culture. There's an awakening of being Afro-Latinx, um, also embracing that African heritage and learning about the, um, the strengths that the African history has. Nobody's going to open the doors for us unless we open our, make our own doors and put our own selves at the table. Hopefully now with the voices of change, we will see more of our stories. And then there's our newsrooms. The governor of California has pledged $52 million to the Central Valley to help with testing and contact tracing. What message do you have for other young adolescents that might be going through the same situation? Every year, October marks the beginning of sugarcane burning season, which stretches till April. Arguably one of the most important places for workroom diversity, given that we're tasked with framing the narrative of events affecting people from every walk of life. Being Afro-Latina, I represent both the Hispanic and the, the African-American or Black community. And one way I do that is um, wearing my hair natural, curly, big Afro. Hace algunos años atrás, cuando yo comencé de usar mi pelo natural en la televisión, había algunas personas, some viewers, who had said something negative about my hair racially. I did have an incident where that happened, and uh, it went viral. To the weather girl tonight, please don't wear your hair like that anymore. Please don't change it back to something more normal. The truth is, media is evolving rapidly, and so is how we consume it. You don't actually need to be nominated for an Oscar to have an impact on the masses. My name is Danielle Perez. I'm a stand-up comedian, actor, and writer. My name is Natasha Bessez. I am a singer, songwriter, and TV personality. Because I'm Afro-Latina and comedy, stand-up comedy is so straight, white, cis male, I am often the only woman on the show. I'm often the only Latinx person on the show. The chance to connect with my community and other Latinx comedians, it, it isn't there in the same way. I'm so proud to be a first-generation um, Latina and French Chilean. I'm born and raised in New York City, so I really did feel like my culture was all around me. So it's so important to me to be able to still represent that. I really do think there is a, a shift in the culture in the States because we're really showcasing Latin music on American radio stations. I just hope that with the internet and the platforms that individual Latinx creators have, um, we can show the networks and studios that we are worth investing in. I have a lot of new music where it's mostly Spanish lyrics and, um, it just makes me really proud to be a Latina in uh, in in America these these days. Because like it or not, whether they are or not, we're doing it on our own. We're creating our own communities. When we have representation across all aspects of American culture, eventually it spills over onto the red carpet. 
giving artists and storytellers cultural reference points to be inspired by. And maybe you could argue that award shows don't mean anything. Only they kind of do. They're supposed to represent the best of the best in Hollywood and act as a sort of reflection of our world. Think about what Alfonso Cuarón's Roma did for Latinx representation by introducing the world to Yalitza Aparicio, an indigenous actress whose performance sparked conversations about racism, discrimination toward indigenous communities, and the rights of domestic workers in Mexico. And this year, a Latinx film that's getting some award season buzz is La Llorona. Nope. No, no, not that one. Jairo Bustamante's Spanish-language version that feels and sounds authentic to the culture it originally came from. Also, it's terrifying and elicits traumatic childhood flashbacks. Primero quemaron los cultivos, después las casas, después nuestra ropa y los animales. ¿Cuál es la importancia de tener a las mayorías de un país fungiendo en los roles principales de una película? O sea, Así nos ha enseñado el mundo a pensar, ¿no? O sea, en Guatemala las mujeres son 54%, o sea que son más que los hombres. Y los indígenas son casi 70 o más. Eso quiere decir que lo que nosotros deberíamos ver en nuestra televisión es mujeres indígenas, indígenas, hombres, hombres mestizos, hombres blancos, mujeres, mujeres blancas, hombres blancos, ¿no? O sea, así es la lógica. Pero como le hemos dado vuelta a los sistemas aspiracionales y lo que realmente queremos ser es europeos o gringos, entonces lo que representamos en nuestros cines son hombres blancos, mujeres blancas, mientras más blancos mejor, y el pantón de colores mientras más se oscurece más son personajes discriminados y degradados en la sociedad. Oyó a alguien llorar. No solo producimos novelas futbolinarcos, que también somos otra cosa, ¿no? Y que también tenemos una gran variedad. Y que aparte somos una audiencia muy grande, que culturalmente está liada y que está liada también por una lengua. Bustamante's adaptation is a testament to the fact that Representation in front of and behind the camera will only change when Latinx and other underrepresented communities demand better and more consistent representation through financial investment or inclusion writers. Because, as John Leguizamo put it, if you don't see yourself represented outside of yourself, you just feel invisible. And no one should ever have to feel that. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below, and let us know what issues are important to you. Because, let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.